0: Simon.
1: Live from the fam, down by the river! Starring Mike,
2: Mike. Murray. This is Vassanel. Vassanel. By the Numbers. Numbers. Numbers.
0: Chalamet returns. Tiny horses all grown up. Baldwin cameos. There's the opening haiku. We are covering episode 9. 52 of Saturday Night Live, Season 49, Episode 4. I am Mike Murray of the SNN, and I want to welcome back Victoria Franzo. Welcome back to the show. How are you?
2: I am excited to talk about Mr. Chalamet.
0: Awesome. Did you you like the show?
2: I did. It was a lot of new to me's in there. I haven't seen anything of Timothy's prior, not even the last... Time he hosts it, but we'll talk about that.
0: All right. And welcome back, as always, John Schneider. He's the neve to my max of this network, you know? So always happy to have my OG on the show.
1: Yeah, and I feel like Victoria just catfished me with what she said. I can't believe she hasn't seen the first Chalme episode. That was one, one of the best episodes of season 46. And it was pretty much the same episode, right? Like It's like as much as close as you can get between one and twos for host. That was this episode. So uh, very excited to be back with you, Mike. Always love being a part of the show. This is uh, where we started things off. So very excited to get to talk through all the stats of the week with you.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this was like a direct sequel, no? yeah so that chalamet episode yeah we're gonna we're gonna dive into it but um that aspect so of it our, our first by the number
1: show by the way was probably like uh, or maybe our second one that we did was pretty soon after this episode so uh, we once did discuss chalamet on an snl stats by the numbers back in the day
0: yeah and i was excited i, I felt like that uh paul rudd on hot ones that like me like me and john like look at us like we're we're still doing it. We have a return. Like look, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. So I I thought the show <laughs> was was good, but um, let's let's look at some screen time. Let's let's dive into it. Um, and Victoria will, will take it away and and find out how similar that show was, and then we'll look at that after.
2: All right. Um. First, I would love to be the hot sauce on the table in this. Sean Evans and Paul Rudd moment. I just would love to be a watcher for you. But that being said, um, taking over the screen is Timothy Chalamet with 22 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, Coming up right after him is Heidi Gardner with 11 minutes and 14 seconds, which uh, I love. I miss seeing a lot of her. Then we have Boy Genius with eight minutes and 54 seconds. Followed by Phoebe Bridgers at 70 minutes and 31 seconds, Julian Baker at 7 minutes and 27 seconds, Lucy Dacus, if I'm not mistaken, is 7 minutes and 7 seconds. And then going back to our regular cast members with James Austin Johnson at 6 minutes and 21 seconds, Ego Wotum with 6 minutes and 20 seconds, John Higgins up there for the very first time with 6 minutes or at least the first I know of with six minutes and four seconds with Colin Jost right behind him and the five minute range with five minutes and 26 seconds. Chloe Trost, newbie with five minutes and one second. Uh, Keenan Thompson with four minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, head baby face himself. And then there's Sarah Sherman at four minutes and 25 seconds followed by Three threes of Mikey Day at three minutes and 36 seconds. Punky Johnson, three minutes and 32 seconds. I did, I've did. i been saying I want more Punky, and I finally got more Punky, but I still could use a little more. Uh, and then rounding out the three-minute mark is Bowen Yang at three minutes and 29 seconds. Then we have other uh, baby face, uh, Marcelo Hernandez at two minutes and 43 seconds. Andrew Dismukes at 2 minutes and 18 seconds, Michael Che at 2 minutes and 10 seconds, and then Molly Carney at 1 minute and 36 seconds, uh, Chloe Feynman 1 minute 33 seconds, which is surprising to me. I feel like we got way more than that from her, but nonetheless, the numbers don't lie. Uh, our PDD boys, Ben Marshall at 1 minute and 23 seconds, Martin Hurley at 1 minute 20 seconds, uh, the best Tim Scott personation I ever did see by Devin Walker at 1 minute and 12 seconds. And then a uh, guest, a special guest with of Alec Baldwin at 13 seconds. Uh, last but not least, we have Steve Higgins at 6 seconds. And then Michael Longfellow with a great Bill Hader personation at 5 seconds.
0: All right, John. Any surprises here? We got Heidi back on the top.
1: Uh, Not surprised about Heidi being back at the top. I feel like she is uh, the heart of the show for many episodes uh, since uh, the beginning of season 48. So, uh, you know, very strong performance from her here at 11 minutes and 14 seconds. Statistically, uh, really dominant in terms of her comparison to her next closest cast member, you know. Almost doubles the time, like a minute shy of doubling the time of the next closest cast member. So, I mean, that is a huge, huge discrepancy between the top cast member and the second. I have to wonder, Mike, if that is the biggest discrepancy we've seen between a cast member and the second cast member in a given episode. Do you know of that? I'll look into that. That's a good point. Yeah. So uh, really impressive uh, from Heidi over here. I mean, on the other side of things, uh, I'm really sort of interested in the trajectory of Keenan Thompson this season. It's the first season in a long time that I could remember where Keenan is really not dominating statistically. Have we reached his peak? I know we're talking about a career that never seems to end, but is it possible that he actually peaked in 47 and 48, and we're going to now look at the tail end of his career? That's a question that I'm interested in. And then my other big story of the week is really the second-year players in Michael Longfellow, Molly Carney, and Devin Walker have really done practically nothing in this season so far. Just putting it out there. You know,
0: sometimes I'll throw on the phrase uh, danger watch. Like, we're, we're in danger watch right now um, for Molly and Longfellow. So I looked at his stats from last year. He was at 327. Uh, well, that's what he is for the season right now. So he's averaging 52 seconds per episode. Um, he was at 9.27 at this point last year. That's just through his first four episodes. And then I always like to go back and see, not making any predictions or saying anything you know, bad, no, no, no omens here, but Aristotle, 4 minutes 53 seconds in his first four episodes. Lauren Holt, 4.10 in her first four. So Michael Longfellow at 3.27. That's like super low. So... Just wanted to bring that to the table first. And he also t- trails all three destroy boys. So if you they're in the montage now, they're getting a sketch a week. And Michael Longfellow was, you know, it seven seconds in the rap battle sketch from Bad Bunny and now five seconds in a pre-tape. We didn't even see him live. So John, where does it go from here from for Michael Longfellow?
1: I love Michael Longfellow. I, I think out of the four uh sophomore players in the cast, I actually think he has maybe the strongest potential like when all is said and done he has the ability to end up being maybe the greater cast member out of these i know Marcelo has like the skills but i do think michael longfellow has like a uniqueness to him that uh, i think is really really strong uh devin and molly i'm still waiting to see what you know what we could possibly see from them but anyways so i i think mikey longs has it in him i i just don't know what exactly is happening there and this was the point that I really wanted to make to the two of you tonight, and then I'll stop talking, which is I keep thinking about this. I think if you went to like 90% of people who watch SNL and you said, who is a feature player and who is a repertory player, they would have no idea what you were talking about. I think that is a like category that, yes, you see it in the montage. Yes, we talk about it here. But like the the naked eye cannot tell the difference between a feature player and a repertory player in the way that you could back in the day where these were mostly extras and sketches or once in a while popped off. So to me, if that is the case, why are we getting so little from some of these feature players? Because the show hasn't treated feature players like feature players in a very long time. And that's like one of those things that I'm thinking about for a while now.
0: Great point. Um, Obviously, the the bottom ones, we can tell, are featured players, but Sarah and JJ being now in the upgraded, they've since lapped Punky and Andrew, which I've mentioned that a few times. So they are like have superseded that, but I'm not seeing a big jump from the new ones other than Marcelo. But I have to bring this up before I forget. We did a preseason by the numbers with our friend Darren from SNL Nerds, and I made the bold prediction that jostin shea would step down after christmas so that was that was my bold take and is there a theory that michael longfellow could be prepping to take the desk and we might not have seen a lot from him working out his weekend update pieces because i don't john correct me if i'm wrong but have we not i don't think we've seen like in the the rundown sheets that he's had like a big thing cut can you think of one
1: No, he hasn't. Uh, Sarah was cut from week two. uh, Punky and Heidi were cut from week three. And the Sarah and Punky things have since aired. So really, no.
0: Right, and that's for sketch, for weekend update, for anything, right?
1: Oh, I mean, he's been in sketches. Like, for example, this week we talked about in the roundtable a bit. He had a cut sketch uh, that he was in. Which was the golden bachelorette sketch that heidi was the golden bachelorette and he was like an older gentleman who was uh you know suiting her and so i mean there's opportunities i mean i could i could sort of open up my internal notes here to check how many sketches we had from season 49 so far that michael longfellow was cut from i see uh there's a bud light both sides commercial that was Mm -hmm. uh, cut from episodes one and two that he was in a pre-tape there dolphins cheerleader sketch in episode two uh a ghouls sketch in episode three and then again this uh golden bachelorette sketch so that's four uh you know four and a half i guess sketches that he's been cut from uh this season so far so yeah there are opportunities there they just haven't made the show
0: Right. And I'm just thinking, uh, maybe we can talk to our friends uh who went to dress and saw some of those, but I don't know if there were any of those where like Michael Longfellow led pieces like an update feature. So just trying to follow the breadcrumbs, look for little clues, maybe that if that's coming and they know that it's on the horizon, it might be it might make sense if they didn't have him appearing at the desk like he does and then The next, you know, in the new year, in 2024, he's the host of Update. So it might be a little less jarring. And we've been talking about, me and Haynes on the last By the Numbers, how Update's been getting shorter. We've had three sub-10-minute updates, one desk correspondent um, for each. So something's going on. There's there's something in the water right now at 8-H with Update. And I think my preseason prediction, if that is the case... We're going to look back and say this made sense. So, Victoria, what do you think about you know our conversation on Michael Longfellow, and if my prediction could hold any weight at all?
2: Well, I was going to ask, do you think anyone would join Longfellow at the desk, or would it, it would be him solo dolo?
0: I've been on the record saying that they're they need slash want to have a woman at the desk. So, I would I would predict, if I had to, that it would be Longfellow and somebody else, either a writer or someone from outside. Um, But I could see that happening with Longfellow and a female co-host.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think now that you call it out, that's extremely plausible. I would hope it's not the other option of them trying to push him out or him just not getting stuff. But as we just said that the opportunities are there, they just haven't made it to air. And that rhymed. Uh, But. I hope that's the case. I, as much as I would hate to see Che and Joe go, I think they're incredibly funny, and they are two of my favorite parts of the show. Currently, I think it's just time to pass the torch to to someone new. And I think if there's anyone from this list here who's going to do that well, it would be Michael Longfellow. If you haven't seen his stand up, it's phenomenal, and you know I think he has the charisma and, and the talent to do it.
1: I respect the bold call, but I don't under- like I don't understand why Chain Jost would come back for the start of season forty nine and leave after half a season. Like that doesn't there's there's not like a lot of like great yeah. magic there to me because with I, Cecily I, think, I understood.
0: Well, I, I think it's because the same way that everyone came back after the SNL at home and now a writer strike truncated season forty eight, so it might just be that they didn't want to go out like that. So if not knowing it's your last episode could kind of feel not so warm and fuzzy. Okay. So if they want to come back in, you know, be in the room for the regime change, Christmas would be a great time to do it at the last joke swap, mm-hmm. bid farewell to that team. I don't know. What do you think, John?
1: I, uh, I think the mystery person booked for the Christmas show could indicate that you have a point, but... We'll get okay. to that over the next few weeks. but We won't mention who that is. Yes, we will be nice. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but regardless, uh, if that's a possibility, I would find it very bizarre to then, like, and I, and I mean this nicely, Mike, like I find it very bizarre to your point to then, Not give Longfellow a lot of screen time if that was if they were grooming him for the update desk. Like if anything, if this was I saw somebody in the chat. uh, Gelp mentioned uh, Colin Quinn and Norm. Like Colin Quinn was doing a bunch of like update pieces as a correspondent prior to being an anchor. Like I think if that was the case and this was really what was going on here, Michael Longfellow would make two or maybe even three appearances at the update desk in the fall prior to actually becoming that anchor. I, I just. I would be surprised if that was the direction that they ended up going in. And again, out of those three feature players, you know, besides Marcello, who I think is really, really crushing it in a second year, like from Devin and Molly and Michael Longfellow, I, despite Michael Longfellow's five seconds, I, I actually don't think he's the one in the biggest trouble here. I still think that Devin and Molly are the ones who are needing to find their place on the show more than Michael Longfellow, who is, you know, clearly very good at something very specific.
0: True, all, all all good points. Um, but it, it it will be fun to look back because I just think that if that is the case, then he might be doing a lot behind the scenes. He, I mean, for all I know, he could be shadowing Che and Joe. If that was, if that were the case, so maybe he's not writing a lot of material for himself that he would normally do to propel himself further. If that makes sense.
2: I was going to say there's probably a lot of a lot of prep behind the scenes that they're doing and wanting him to focus on that's keeping him from being on air
1: yeah uh, yeah i I don't buy it for what it's worth but i'll just say like i just think i think he just had a bad week that's all it was uh and i think yeah i i think like like i said like i don't think that the viewers know the difference between the featured and repertory players Mm -hmm. i do believe there is a learning curve to snl so it makes sense why you would have uh you know people who have in terms of longevity, not been on the show that long, not appear as much, but like we are now, I guess, uh, 22 episodes into the four of their careers at the show. At this point, 22 episodes into an SNL career, I'll say like, you know, maybe at most 30, but really this is the point where we should start to understand what it is you can do at the show. Mm -hmm. And with all due respect, to Devin, who was given like a really fun role as a uh, presidential candidate and has had a couple of really nice sketches, and Molly, who had a fantastic Anna de Armas episode at the end of last season. I'm still not 100% sure what their range is at the show yet. I'm waiting to see that, and I would love to be able to come on here. We're now halfway through the first half of season 49, and I would love to be back here for the Christmas by the number show and tell you that I've seen at least a couple of things from Molly Carney and Devin Walker that I can feel confident in going into the second half of the season.
0: Right, and I'll give an update on their career because, John, you mentioned that, you know, 22 episodes into their career. Here we are, 18 last year for this year. So the the standings right now for that class of last year would be, I'll I'll include Marcelo too, Um, he's at one hour, six minutes, 50. This is every episode that Marcelo has been in so far, and I'm going to say the rest as well. Molly at 5304, um, Devin at 5436, so he's actually ahead of of Molly by a minute, and then Michael Longfellow at 4841. So we're going on stats alone and not the eye test or the comedy test. Then Michael Longfellow is in fourth place of his class. So I'll go to you, Victoria, um, with your background and sketch. You know what should the show do with? Well, let's start with Molly because I thought they were so great in that pre-tape and the Brennan Gleason, and then they had their big moment at the end. So both of those cases, Molly playing themselves. Other than that, they're playing old women and men. <laughs> so <laughs> where can we put or Molly, Kevin James? You know, right.
2: <laughs> Doesn't fall under either. Uh,
0: Kevin James is a is a man.
2: <laughs> he's he's not old. He's iconic. I said old <laughs> women and men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I want to be careful with how I word this because I don't want to accuse. I just, as someone who who has an ex- as a different life experience and is kind of forced to see things because of said life experience, I just, I'm just going to call it out. Devin Walker and Molly Kearney are. Come have very different life experiences, and it's kind of a bummer that we're not seeing more of them. It's kind of a bummer that we have to fight for Funky Johnson to get more screen time. It's kind of a bummer that we have to fight for more Bo and Yang, and even for someone like Marcelo Hernandez, who is incredibly talented and very funny. I mean, the, this is—it's un—you can't doubt it one minute, but. If we're going to do diversity, and as someone who's part of an SNL diversity program, I think we need to see more of it. We just, are we writing for those people and those experiences? And I think that's, that's a concern of mine, if I'm being completely honest, and that's something I want to see more of. So I think Molly can bring a lot to the table. Molly has brought a lot to the table. If you've seen their stand-up and their sets, it's incredibly funny. And they have a lot to say, and they have a really great, they have a great set of experiences that they could share. Same thing with Devin. So I would love for them to get, I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I would love to see more opportunities for them to kind of own something. The same way we saw uh, this past Saturday, Chloe Trost own something. Chloe Trost is on here for five minutes and one second when you just said that these folks only had three minutes. So it's it's you know, I just want to call it out there and put it out there that we just need to, we being SNL needs to address that if, if the case is that they're not giving them the same amount of opportunities to share their.
1: And I'm glad you said it because I I think I think it's really important to address. It's an important subject to talk about, and it's something that we don't shy away from here at the SNN. So we could talk about diversity at the show and how it does affect people. It is a subject that I have brought up many times on our Cast Countdown podcast that I've been doing whenever we come across um, you know, a black man who was maybe on the show in decades prior who said that there was no black writers around to help get his stuff on. Like That is something that you have to take into account when you're evaluating somebody's legacy at the show. Now, the question for me is, is that the case now? And I'm not playing devil's advocate because I'm white. I'm playing devil's advocate because I have been told that the uh, that SNL has tried to fix a lot of these things over the last 10 years to put more diverse voices in the writer's room. And I was under the impression and and this is what we're doing here. We're trying to evaluate stats as objectively as possible, which is like I was under the impression that Devin Walker and Molly Carney are not getting stuff on the show, not because they're black or non binary. It's more because of, you know, them being them trying to figure out the SNL game. So I'm not saying that you're wrong in what you're saying. And I think it's really important to put that out there that we're talking about, you know, people who don't typically succeed at SNL in the traditional sense. But at the same time, if that is the case, like if they're not doing well on the show because the the system is still in place where people, you know, where it's not, it's only just white people that do well on the show, then uh, then I would love to know that because I haven't heard that from anybody that's worked in the show in the last ten years. Like my understanding is that the show has gone way better at that, and I need to applaud them for their efforts and doing stuff. Besides maybe their booking choices of the host, I think that like SNL has produced sketches in ways now that they never would have ten years ago. So I'm trying my very, very best to evaluate everybody on an equal playing field. And if it's not that case, then I guess that's like, I would love th- something to be spoken of. So like, we know that.
2: I mean, and that's, not, I, I don't want to take away from what SNL's done. Like there are obviously incredible improvements. I don't want to take away from that. I don't want to diminish that. But there is always work to be done. Yeah. And you know, the SNL game wasn't created for certain people. You know what I mean? There still has, there's still going to be little kinks in the system that we need to iron out, but I don't know. I, like it said, I, I don't know what's going on. It is just kind of interesting to see. It's just coincidental. And so obviously there's always room for improvement. There's always room to be better and to be more outspoken and Maybe it's just giving them a little bit more opportunity to find out what it is that they can really do for the show.
0: Yeah, and just to put a button on this important discussion, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't provide some stat context. (laughs) So last season, season 48, the top five screen time getters of the cast, not including update anchors. Number one, Keenan Thompson. Number two, Bowen Yang. Heidi Gardner. Mikey Day. Ego So. In a vacuum, if I said, these are the faces and voices we are seeing the most, and I listed those five names, it would be hard to say, like, SNL has a white guy problem like they did in the 90s or something. So just, just trying to do my, my job by saying who, who we're seeing the most in the cast. So one week, we see Michael Longfellow at five seconds, and you know we see Molly at a minute 36, and we're seeing Marcelo. Um, at 2:43, so it's it's going to ebb and flow, of course, and of course, um, Marcel had a huge episode with Bad Bunny as well. So things things like that to keep in uh, consideration when we're seeing episode by episode. So that's the beauty of the opening of by the numbers. We look at one sample size of an episode, and the end of it, we look at the entire season as a whole. So let's move on talking about um, the Timmy Chalamet episode. So like I said earlier, we have a chance now for the first time that we saw a host debut and then return in the tenure of the snl stats to snn transition so i i looked at them directly so john i saw you put up on the screen time of the remaining cast interesting enough no keenan in that episode so that was a very rarity a rarity yeah. he was uh, filming a show keenan so other than that we saw you know the heidi numbers and the ego numbers and things like um the remaining cast members so i'm gonna yeah, look just to be
1: clear you could see that on our social media pages so we posted that on our instagram it's still in the grid and it's still on our twitter account but by the way mike uh keenan was shut out twice in his career but that was the only episode in his career that he was absent for
0: right so that's just was funny because you think oh who was in the cast then all right well keenan probably had a good night <laughs> just funny that he, no he wasn't not even there uh, all right so i have the season 46 chalamet data compared with the season 49 chalamet data And I did a percentage change because those are my favorite stats to do. So I looked at the power ranking of Timothy Chalamet in that episode. And again, that's to measure the impact that he had on a given night. So he went from a 253 to a 322. So... Using this metric, Timothy Chalamet had about a 28% better episode, if you want to uh, go by that. Screen time went up almost 50%. So he was 18th out of 20 in season 46. So he was in the bottom three hosts for screen time with 15 minutes, 22 seconds. And now he was up to 22 minutes, 56 seconds, almost you know 23 minutes. He made one more appearance. We talked about update being shorter, a little bit more room for a sketch or a pre-tape. In this case, we had three pre-tapes. And monologue a little bit longer. His sketch time was up over five minutes. So 66% more Timothy Chalamet live on the stage. And his pre tapes went up a little bit, 13%. And I looked at his quote unquote A roles. So looking back on that episode, we had a long Dionne Warwick talk show sketch where Chalamet came out as Harry Styles for like five seconds. And this case, he was the lead or one of the leads in every sketch or pre-tape, other than the impression, you know, revolving door when he was uh, Scorsese. So Victoria, I guess maybe I shouldn't ask Victoria if you haven't seen well, the season I forty-six. Say, one.
2: <laughs> I need to clarify. I didn't. I didn't watch it when it aired. I did watch it to oh, prepare okay. for this show. I watched some other okay, pieces. Okay. Yeah. So this is the most I've packed in all everything I've seen timothy chalamet and i packed into the past like few days so i have watched some things since just to get myself familiar um and everyone saw the he skate with pete so i'm, yeah. I'm familiar boy loves the skirt skirt yeah Need thank skirt. you yeah
0: Okay, so Victoria, I think did, you a, so, so, did you have a... Someone else called Pete once. Right. Somebody did. yeah. Which, did you have... Which one did you like better? Let's open with a softball question. Season 46 or season 49? 49.
2: 49. I think he got to showcase a little bit more for me personally as someone who wasn't familiar with him. I got to see, see more of his talents. And I think just on the monologue rap alone... It won me over so 49 is I think is my favorite though shout out to the coronavirus sketch from 46 that was a really good one
0: that was a I think all-time season 46 live sketch what was the coronavirus one and the Lexus holiday to remember pre tape from that episode so not even including you know tiny horse and the hip-hop roundtable so John I have not a softball question for you so looking more macro I feel like if a host returns, we should assume that their first was a success because why would you invite someone back? So what are you looking for in a return host? What can you put your finger on that? All right, they're coming back, whether they're promoting, whatever they have, whatever reason they have to be on the show, what are you looking for for a second time host? Because we have one coming up this Saturday with Jason Moa.
1: Yeah, I think if they're young and energetic, I think that is a huge factor here. I think if you're ready, like if you're still of the right age to bring it, uh, you're not canceled yet, <laughs> so I'll uh, check all the boxes there from Timmy. Uh, but actually, uh, maybe not given what happened at the end of this <laughs> the episode. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do want to give some context to these numbers just a little bit, uh, and then I'll, I'll go back to your question, Mike, which is we just have to keep in mind, per Victoria's point about there being a coronavirus sketch, that this season 46 episode with Shalmay happened while SNL was still dealing with COVID, meaning that the sketches themselves were produced under strict circumstances where people could only be in the studio for a certain amount of time. The writers were meeting with the performers on Zoom. It was very crazy. Uh, Chalamet basically didn't get the full SNL experience here. And there were also less sketches at the time to account for the fact that they had less rehearsal time. Eventually, I think towards Chalamet's episode, it started to normalize a bit. But The uptick in numbers makes sense here, not only because Chalamet is a very strong host, but because, you know, now they they have the confidence in him to be able to pull off more on the show. Whereas when you're bringing in a first-time host, under the circumstances in which season 46 was being created, you're not going to give the hosts a lot to do, you know, They just don't have the time to work with them to get to know the show. So I think these numbers make perfect sense here. Had Chalamet hosted in 45 or 44, I still think we would see an uptick in numbers because as you host more and more, you're going to become more familiar with the SNL process. But yeah, he does check a lot of the boxes for me, Mike, as to what I would look for in a return host. I think, like I said, super popular. Um, The fans seem to love him. And he really did host one of the best episodes of season 46.
0: Agreed, and I'm glad you brought that up because we can't ignore the COVID vibe that SNL had to deal with and the restrictions and all that. But just again to push back with some stats, Daniel Kaluuya had over 20 minutes as a first-time host in that season. Um, Dan right, Levy had later over 20 minutes, season. right? Yep,
1: Dan Levy. That was uh,
0: that was still in winter,
1: though, right? Yeah, I, I guess I would say like the pre-Christmas episodes. I think were severely impacted by COVID. Those first sure. six episodes specifically, uh, you know, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, um, uh, Adele, Issa John Melanie. Yep. Yeah, Issa Rae, Adele, John Mulaney, and, and uh, Chappelle. I think those ones were like COVID rules to the max.
0: Right. And the stats do back it up um, a little bit. You know, there's things to nitpick at because like Anya Taylor Joy was the last host and she had one of the lowest screen times, but it was a goodbye episode for a few um so important to note but i will say john since i know you've seen every episode of our favorite show have have you ever can you remember a host that came back and you're like why are they coming back they were not great the first time
1: oof um can i remember a host that yeah is coming i know back you on the spot, yeah i mean th- that situation has definitely happened um i just don't no. Uh, well, I guess, uh, you know, one of the former presidents of the United States would be a great example. Um, yeah, <laughs> if I could think of off the top of my head. But I'm sure there's been a few cases for the most part. I'm I'm pretty happy when people come back to the show. Like I think I think hosts returning to, to the show is one of the lifebloods of what makes SNL SNL, right? It's like the feeling of uh, continuity. And, you know, getting to know these people and, and Chalamet's episode was like, the gift for all super fans who love getting to see his first episode and then got to see sketches that he did the first time and reprise them. This is what you want as an SNL fan. So uh, for me, I I think it's very important to bring hosts back, but it is a, like you have to be very, very careful when you do it, that you're picking the right person and that they're the right time of their career. And also that we don't overexpose these hosts to SNL, which has happened a few times.
0: Right, like Jake Gyllenhaal was one that, a long time between first and second. Um, so, Victoria, my question for you is: I don't know if you're a big movie buff, but sequels tr- traditionally are not as good as the first. So, you said that se- season 49 you liked better. So, you have like Home Alone two, Lost in New York, or The Hangover two. It's like let's just remake the movie that everyone loved, and then they'll pay to see it again. Like that's a strategy. Sometimes when they deviate too much, it just doesn't live up to the first one. So, would you? Do you like this approach? That to to really call back these things. I, it wasn't that long ago, so it's a little fresher in the memory. It's you know three seasons earlier. So is this? I always like to ask the questions. So the guess is, if if I notice a trend and the stats can back it up, I usually like to ask someone's opinion. If is this a good move by the show?
2: Yeah, if something works, you know, if nothing is broken, don't fix it. But I do. I mean, for example, I like the horse the arc of the horse and you know, we got to see that follow through, but then uh, like the hip hop, what is it called? The, oh man. Rap round table. Rap round table. We could have used Pete Davidson in that again, you know, him solo was a little bit different, but still funny. It was still enjoyable. But that being said, I think them using things that work also that feel familiar for him, I think too, Timothy Chalamet's style is very interesting to me. Of what I've seen in the past few days, mind you, I've not seen much of him besides him kissing Kylie Jenner in that one paparazzi photo. Nonetheless, I think he's he does well if he can revisit something. I think he's kind of method in that way. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but yeah, could be could be good. I think you just have to have the right host to do that with.
0: Right. And to wrap up, John, I'll say, what if Timothy Chalamet hosts three seasons from now and they have a third tiny horse and a third rapper on table? I know this is hypothetical, so we can't judge the content of what that would be and if it's funny or not. But would you like be a huge eye roll or like let's keep this thread going because this is what we should expect, kind of like a Mulaney New York musical?
1: I think you should absolutely keep it going. And I know that there's going to be listeners, some of them watching us live who completely disagree with me and be like, no, we need new fresh stuff. But, you know, I think that the way that SNL does these things are to varying degrees of freshness. I think Giant Horse was a really, really great take on Tiny Horse. And if you have the right idea, definitely go for it. It's fine if we, (laughs) in advance of the episode, know where a couple things are going to take place in the episode. And you would just have to keep in mind, like, Again, I, I said this story many times on the podcast, and I'll just reiterate it here because it's relevant. When I was in high school and I was falling in love with the show, I would sit down on YouTube or wherever it, you know wherever I could watch SNL sketches, and I would watch you know. A bunch of Penelopes or a bunch of Stephans Eventually, you know, like these were the types of things that were really great to get your friends into the show. When you're like, okay, well, there's this really funny character or these really funny sketches that they do, and you get to show them a few of them, and they're maybe five minutes a piece. So for me, I think that you know, for Timothy Chalamet fans who really love him and he's super popular like these are the expectations i think people would be disappointed honestly if they didn't get to see another version of the horse even if it's in a completely different way you can reimagine how they do it but i think that involving the horse in the show having Smoke cheddar to ask get back like i think these are things that people will ask for in season 52 if that is the next time we see xiaomi on the show
0: i agree i i'm always of the thought that i want interesting snl and lore of snl and meta snl so yeah, I almost don't even care the, the quality. I mean, of course, I do as a viewer, but as an analyst of the show, it's more fun to to weave threads between different data points and from different eras and all that. So when we have someone like Molly Shannon come back and get you know a, a rare character or you know her biggest character, it's that's always just fun to analyze from that POV. Um, I will have to mention though, because we, we started in season 46, and a big topic, if you go back and listen, was why doesn't SNL do like recurring things as much anymore? They're doing like recurring concepts, but there's not a lot of recurring characters. So but we did have Lisa from Demecula sequel, which I feel like people did not like the second one, and the first one might have been the biggest sketch of the season. And then we had the Protective mom with Pedro Pascal which people also loved the first time. And I think they liked it equally the second time. So I know anecdotal evidence case by case, but SNL is definitely taking a risk when they do that. And so I'm in favor of that. Victoria, do you agree?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I like Lisa from Temecula. Yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that it makes you familiar with the show. And especially, I love that John mentioned Penelope. Like, what a great, what a great reference. It made me happy. But to his point, using that, and if it's a really great character and a great scene, that's going to attract more more and more people because they're going to be anticipating that character coming. And, you know, you'll garner a new uh, audience that way, too.
1: Look, and just remember, guys, uh, that this happened this episode.
0: She used to be Lisa from Demecula now she's Vivek from Ramaswamy.
1: <laughs> Tried to get the timing right on that one. But uh yes, totally agree with everything you guys are saying. I do think that one of the I do think that recurring characters for cast members are much more valuable to the show than recurring characters for a host. Just pointing that out, putting that out there cuz I do think like The idea of when you go back in the seventies and you don't know when a cone heads episode is going to pop up, but all of a sudden, Hey, we have the cone heads with this host. That's kind of cool. Like that's the type of thing that I've been advocating on the show since we started podcasting, which is like, get back to the point where there's sketches that we really like, where you can have fun with them, create storylines and reimagine them with different hosts. So I think SNL is getting there, but you know, I'll take what I can get right now. I do think Protective Mom and you know this type of thing that uh that we got with Timmy, like these are all positive things for the show, so I don't want to bite the hand that feeds us at the same time,
0: <laughs> right. And people have been speculating for a couple seasons when's Emma Stone coming back. She'll be a five timer, got things to promote right now, and I would be very disappointed if we didn't get the Lejeune de Perry with Emma Stone because. I love that sketch, um, the French like dance sketch that she did. So things like that, I would definitely, even though I might say on the podcast a lot that I'm up for anything, that's the case where I'd be like, Okay, I, I I need that sketch to come back. So Yeah, but how do you do case, that
1: sketch without Taryn Killam?
0: I why can't you bring him back? I mean, that would be a fun cameo. I
1: honestly, it would be epic.
0: So I'd yeah, be open to it. That'd him. be awesome.
2: And and Jay Farrell, same time. Same time. You know Jay Farrow though.
0: would be a, would be a ripe cameo.
2: Oh, yeah, I dream of it.
0: Yeah, we did we did uh, bump into Jay in uh, Montreal, John.
1: That is very true. Yeah, We were a really nice guy.
2: Did he ask about me?
1: I, uh, I don't remember. Oh,
2: yeah, okay, I did interview that, him. By that. the way,
1: it's, it, the, if you if you yeah. ever want to go check out my interview with Jay Farrow, very funny Jay Farrow interview that we did it just for laughs, not this past year, but the season before.
0: Which he did some characters for you, John. He did,
1: very much did. Yeah, he said he would. Uh, he's going to make his grand return to SNL one day. Can't
0: can't, but can't wait. But yeah, Taron Killam. Um, he's another one that if he hosted, Mokiki. I did the Mokiki dance in my dorm room constantly in the middle of the night. So uh, Mokiki does the sloppy swish. That's that's one that I love to see back. And Keenan's still in the cast, so he can he can still sing it. Uh, all right. So my favorite show of all time, other than SNL, is Seinfeld, which I watch. Every day. It's my favorite show of all time that's not SNL, like I said. But so, and in that show, it, there's a scene with Jerry and Newman in the car, and they're like uh, trying to figure out what day it is. Monday has a feel. Like Tuesday has no feel. Like they're talking about, does it have a feel? And so I've been kind of obsessing. I started the stat last year. I started tracking first sketch in 10 to 1. So I do stats for the breakdowns of. Their screen time and appearances and where they appear in the show, not just how much or how often. And so I wanted to ask my awesome guests here Does the first sketch have a feel? So, right now on the screen, if you're watching with us, you can see who's appeared so far in the first sketch of the night, which I that's what I'm calling it. It's after the monologue. You know, back in the day, we used to get a lot of fake commercials after that, but a lot of times now we go to commercial following the monologue and it comes back and it's the Quote unquote first sketch of the night. And John, I'll start with you. Is there something about the first sketch that you can put your finger on and does it have a feel? Because 10 to 1s have a feel. People say it all the time. This is as 10 to 1 energy. Is there a first sketch energy?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people would say that this is when the show starts, you know, not to take away from the cold open or the monologue, but, you know, those are consistent. Every week we get something similar. I mean, for good or for bad, the cold opens. Tend to be mostly political. The monologues have the same look and feel, even if they're different concepts week to week. So those are always fun parts of the show. But you know what to expect. It's like it's like having the same appetizer before your main meal every single week. It's like okay, I know I'm going to have a salad, and then what's going to be the main course? And the main course starts right after the monologue. So of course it has a feel.
0: And Victoria, um what do you think? Here's here's a tough one for you. Uh, What should be the mission of the first sketch? Like, What should they try to accomplish in that first sketch? And don't say, be funny.
2: Well, then I have nothing to say. (laughs) No, I think it should be energizing folks and getting them ready for the show. Setting the tone, setting the energy for the rest of the show and, and what they decide to do there. I really don't like if and when the first sketches are a little bit slow or calmer i like them to be a little bit more energetic it's like okay it's 11:30 at night on a saturday like you know get me pumped up for for the rest of the show i think it should be the hype man for for the rest of the, the episode
0: true i that's what i had in my notes it's just energy tone setter mm-hmm. um i also put maybe like get the get the host comfortable something that's not a lot of heavy lifting that they can really like Get their foot in the door and maybe any nerves can be calmed if you have like a solid sketch led by a cast member and so one of my stats about first sketch feel is that you're probably going to see keenan because i looked at the last hundred episodes and he appears in the first sketch 60 percent of the time which i actually thought that was going to be higher but yeah he's almost always in the first sketch especially lately because in this season we've had four episodes therefore we've had four first sketches and keenan's been in all of them for Four appearances for eight minutes and eight seconds. So, if you're watching, if you watch all four first sketches this year, you would see Keenan on the screen for forty percent of the time, and that accounts for thirty-seven percent of his screen time this year has been in the first sketch. As a reminder, that was Fox NFL Sunday for Pete, rap battle with Bad Bunny, chef show with Bargazzi, and then the Museum of Hip Hop panel with Timmy this week. So. Keenan, then Mikey and Ego have um so Keenan has been in all four and then Mikey and Ego have been in three as well as Devin and JJ. So they've appeared the most in those first sketches. So um how do you how have you how have you felt John about the first four first sketches? Have they been strong ones of the night?
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm not really complaining about sketch placement as much this season as I have in seasons past. I think there was um you know maybe one sketch we talked about this week on the hot take show which was the shred zone gym call that uh, <laughs> maybe had like a little bit of a weird placement but besides that i think everything has made sense here yeah i mean look i, I want to be clear like season 49 has been a really solid season so far like there's been some really good great. episodes and really great production choices that they've made and i think that this is a great indication of the things that they're doing that a lot of times we're not complaining about the first sketch of the night. The first sketch of the night has actually been like, Oh, this is really fun. Um, especially when they kick things off the season with Fox NFL Sunday and they have the Travis Kelsey thing happening and it was just like broke the internet. Like, yeah, I love what they're doing here. And and for this episode, they absolutely had to, if they're going to do the wrap round table sketch, they absolutely had to put it when the most eyeballs are going to be on the show. And that is right after the monologue. Mm
2: hmm
0: true and i also think that the first sketch to your point john is definitely open i think for the most scrutiny of placement oh you put that first or oh i'm so glad they put that first whereas everything else can kind of be dictated by technical things or costume things um or you know who did the most heavy lifting in the previous sketch maybe they want to even things out like that but you we saw with the rap um the, the rap battle with bad bunny that we knew that that was in late in the show, and they actually moved it up. So there are possibilities of moving those around. But just uh, to wrap up the stats here I have on the screen, that Chloe, Vismukes, Marcello, Bowen, Sarah, Trost, and Colin and Che, of course, haven't appeared at all in a first sketch. So if we see that coming up, it'll be the first time for those folks. And um, we have... Uh, oh, yeah, I want to point out that first sketches, on average are 31 seconds longer than another sketch that appears in the night just of oh that's you know to dictate the feel of it john does that surprise you or does that make perfect sense
1: just this season or you're saying like over the last 100 episodes
0: over the last 100 episodes
1: wow that is i had no idea that was the case because a lot of times like you said those are like like we'll sometimes we'll see the dress rundown sheets and those sketches are flipped like a lot so the fact that like that actually makes me think about things from a production perspective, which is that are they limited in the choices they have for the first sketch of the night based on how long that block is between the monologue and the next commercial? I know that they do usually do sketch pre-tape sketch or sketch pre-tape. Yeah, that's that's a very fascinating thing to think about.
0: So the if you see a live sketch, just not including weekend update monologue or cold open, just a live sketch, not pre-tape it will on average be four minutes, 36 seconds. So that's based on the last 511 sketches of SNL that I had that number from, 436. And that includes first sketches because that's a live sketch. But if we look at just the first sketch, it's five minute, one second. So I took, I took out the first sketches from the big number to get that number of 31 seconds. So on average, the first sketch of the night is the longest sketch of the night by about 31 seconds. So interesting, you know, you can, they can punch it up, they can cut things, whatever.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say that that was a good point. I also wonder if it's not just the longest sketch, or the longest best sketch that goes first, but it's also the one that they want to make the least cuts from, because it's so good. So then it goes hand in hand, whereas later in the night, they're like chopping out lines of things to like get it within time and stuff like that. So um, there's, there's other factors. And I think that's just a really interesting stat.
0: Thank you, John. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, I will say, as a personally, that I always really love that moment of the show. It's maybe one of my favorite moments. I know people like get excited when we can update starting, um, but when yeah, when it comes back from break, like you said, Victoria, like let's go. Here's the show is starting, and I'm always just so curious of what kind of night are we gonna have. And like we mentioned, tone setter that can be a huge indication. So, John, we had you on after the first episode for Pete, and we didn't do Power Rankings because we only had one episode. Now here we are with four episodes of Data. Who do you think is going to be in the top three for the Power Rankings of Season 49 thus far?
1: I have to think Mikey Day is still there. I mean, Mikey's been uh, uber impressive, just really having another great season. Um, I would guess Heidi is probably there. I mean, Heidi must have had a great episode in the Power Rankings this tonight, so... I'm gonna say that uh, JJ maybe or my top three. Uh, I you know Keenan would be the the you know what you put your money on, but again, as I brought up at the beginning, Keenan's uh, maybe coming down a little bit from his peaks, so it's interesting to think about. Though that would be my guess for the top three. All
0: right, sound choices and yeah, Keenan had ten minutes in the first episode. He's been sub five the next three, so interesting that to track how keenan has been doing so far. So here are the Season 49 Power Rankings, and we have Keenan in the two um, because he had a 141-point episode in the Pete Davidson, went down to a 40 for Bad Bunny, up to a 68 for Bargazzi, and he had an 86.6 in the Chalamet episode. Victoria, you want to update the listeners on what the current Power Ranking is, one through 17?
2: Well, one, that is so impressive, John. Hit the nail on the head.
0: Yeah, yeah, John nailed it, by the way.
2: I mean, I'd hope so. <laughs> I, after. I do cover this show. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, i hope so. <laughs> after, I don't know, everything that you do. All right, so power ranking number one, we're starting off with Mikey Day at 120.1, followed by Keenan Thompson at 84.2. That's quite the gap there. Then we have Heidi Gardner, 81.9. She's had a great last few episodes. Colin Jost at 77.9. Josh also known as James Austin Johnson, at 71.1. Ego Wodum at 70.2. Then we have Bowen Yang, who I'm pleasantly surprised to see this far up at 67.8. Then we have the wonderful... Comical, hilarious, uh, Sarah Sherman at 55.4, followed by Michael Che at 54.1. And then we have Marcelo Hernandez, funny guy. I see him moving up in the power ranks throughout the season. That's my prediction, but he's at 53.9. Punky Johnson at 45.6. Chloe Feynman at 44.2, which I think is pretty low for her. I'd like to see more of that, uh, more of her. So we'll see what happens for the rest of the season. Then uh, Devin Walker at 41.7, Andrew Dismukes at 37.7, which is surprising. And then not surprising are the last three with Chloe Trost at 34.2, Molly Carney at 21.2, and then Michael Longfellow at 16.3. Lucky Thank 17. You. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um so yeah we're we're seeing um Marcelo yeah top 10 that's my that's my takeaway no surprise he had 122.5 in the bad bunny which is one of the best scores of the season across the board and um oh, uh, we talk about Punky so much on the show and how we want to see more of her and her stats are are typically bad that Punky Johnson finished in 17th place behind um all the rookies last year so Punky Johnson's final uh, score average for season 48 was 38.1 it's up to a 45.6 so if you're on team punky which if you're not then you know we have a problem um <laughs> and you should be happy that punky on average every show is doing better than last year so yep. her fourth season it, it's it's about time and then yeah we should have we mentioned have to mention chloe trost you know big breakout which i that might have been other than the callbacks, like my favorite, that was the best sketch for me in the night. Also, Chalamet's longest appearance of the show was was that sketch playing the moon, uh, which was funny. John, what do you think? You're getting your first look at the updated power rankings.
1: Yeah, I mean, everything is making sense to me here. I think from the bottom of the rankings, we talked about a lot of the players uh, that, uh, the second year players, Andrew Mukes, I still am looking for a little bit more, but, but I, I am happy with some of the stuff we're seeing from Andrew this season. It's like, it's marginally better. And I'm happy with that. And I can't complain about Punky either. I mean, P- Punky, I love her so much. And I'm so happy that she's finally getting a shot at the show. And yeah, I mean, imagine like SNL gave up on Punky before this point where they got to get, you know, let her cook on the show and now she's getting this chance. So uh, the 62.6, Mike, is it the highest power ranking in Punky's career?
0: Um, Let me check right now.
1: All right. So Michael, check on that from Punky, but yeah, very impressive uh, from her. I could see her continuing to rise. I think she's being trusted more in sketches. She doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to have a starring sketch now for people to want to put her in their sketch. So for me, very happy about Punky Johnson. here.
2: Yeah. And I loved her little Nikki outfit in the monologue
1: yeah it was so cute <laughs> it was great <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah
1: it was very funny and she puts again i, I said this uh on one of the shows recently but like you got to follow punky on instagram she's posting so much great behind the scenes content about snl and yeah. like, how she's coming up with sketches she helped write the monologue this week so that was uh that was cool as well so yeah punky's doing great um i guess a little bit surprised to see sarah so high i guess the fran drescher thing like really put her up uh hot yeah. as high but without that um would drop pretty low, and then everything else makes sense to me.
0: Yep, um, that is a high score for Punky John. Um, the sixty-two point six this week. Um, had a better episode with Megan the Stallion last season. Okay, interesting. So that yeah. that that makes sense. But anyway, yeah, this is this has been maybe my favorite year so far. It's early too early to tell, but in regards to power rankings, because I just don't know what we're gonna get. It's it's so common. I know Keenan's too, but he's behind Mikey right now by 46 points. So,
2: yeah.
0: Um, or it's 36 points. Gap. Yeah. So that's, that'll level out, but um, this might be the first year that Keenan's not number one. Um, I think maybe Beck actually was number one in season 46. So that'll be interesting. And then, yeah, Sarah Sherman, who had a bad start, and then a really great Bargazzi episode, like John mentioned, the Fran Drescher sketch, and an update appearance. So finally showed up there and then had uh, a lead in the sketch this week with the, the sleep study sketch. So that's what it's going to be. Do you, th- uh, this Mukes was a 50 last year and now he's at 37.7. So like how punky went up, Andrew has definitely went down so far. So we, and the, again, the 10 to one this week, the, uh, the calm app, that's a sketch that <laughs> probably could have been cut. I wouldn't have mind if it was cut. But that was some good time for Punky and Andrew. And how often do we get to see the two of them work together? So I like I like seeing that aspect of it. Anyway,
2: I was gonna say that was really it was wholesome also to see her comfort him. It was nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right, and uh, Punky adds through her wig collection that she's been posting about. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right.
2: <laughs> Honestly, Punky has probably some of the best wigs that I've seen. Yeah. So top, far. top
0: three Punky wigs. Let's go, Victoria.
2: Nikki, obviously. I don't think two or three really matter after that, but I would say (laughs) Nikki, uh, uh, what was Mary J. Blige? You don't actually have to answer that. Okay, well, (laughs) I was going to go for it. And then Queen Latifah, we'll talk about it. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it was uh, Mary J. Blige, right? This week.
2: Yeah, Yeah. this year. Or this, sorry, this week.
0: All right, well, that will just about do it. Um, We have Jason Moa this week again wait wait, wait. Mike, we have to update the
1: the oh uh, yeah we're doing the draft, the draft. take yes. it away john as promised yes i was told from a, a very very kind listener on i think she messaged me on reddit last week who was like hey you didn't you guys didn't update the draft standings and i was like well haynes wasn't on the draft so uh but uh we'll try and do this uh whenever we can So, current standings after week number four. Team Bill Kenny is in the lead with Mikey and Devin Walker. So, that pick of Mikey looking really strong right now. Mikey was in 18 sketches so far this season, Devin in 10, and then gives him 28 points. I'm right now riding number two with Johnson & Johnson at 14 and 12, so 26 points. Team Amanda still in number three with a Bowen and the combo of Joseph and Jay at 23 points. Then we have Team Sammy tied with Amanda with Keenan and Trost, so pretty surprising with the Keenan and Trost team. I mean, the Trost, Trost has been pretty good, but Keenan uh, you, know, you would think would be the sketch leader is not right now, only 14 sketches, and then Trost is at 9, so that's also 23 points. Uh, Thomas Senna has Ego and Dismukes at 21 points, 13 and 8. Zoe Walker has Heidi and Molly Carney, also tied at 29 points, 14 and 7. Team Haskell is with uh, Chloe and Marcelo, 20 points, 10 and 10 and then all the way at the bottom our good friend tj randolph who picked sarah sherman and mikey longs at nine and six with 15 points so far those are the draft standings after week number four.
0: Oh, oh i'll just say back to our previous discussion on longfellow that if he did move to the desk and it was a guaranteed one spot per night that would be a tough hit for team tj
1: Yeah, might be the worst draft score in SNN history. But yeah, that's the update for all our friends who have their own drafts at home and want to follow along with the scores.
0: Thank you. We'll look forward to updating that next time. So, uh, Victoria, final thoughts? Where can we reach out to you? All that good stuff.
2: My final thought is I'm impressed with Timothy Chalamet. I, I, I underestimated him and maybe that helped, but very happy with this episode. It was really fun. As someone who's been spending the last few weeks of their life working on placing scenes in different parts of a show, I'm learning to appreciate that aspect so much more from SNL. So that being said, you can find me here on Instagram. Uh, My finale graduation show at the Second City is this Monday, November 20th at 8.30 p.m., My parents are going to be there. You can meet them. My whole family is going to be there, even my brothers. So it's going to be a really big, a really big show, and I'm actually hosting it. So feel free to stop by and see what all the talk's been about. But other than that, are you doing
0: a monologue, Victoria?
2: A very short 45 second monologue. (laughs) All right. Uh, but I do an outro as well. Uh, and then starting January, you can find me at the I.O. Theater with Malarkey Comedy performing every Wednesday night. But Awesome. Great do, to have you watch, back. Watch that. Come to that after you watch this on Wednesdays. So.
1: Victoria, are you excited for Jason Momoa?
2: Yes. He is, he is great energy. And I think he's going to come and play really well with the with show. I'm very excited for him. And he's hunky.
0: Hunky Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: John, what about you? Uh, We have another countdown. Uh, Yeah, well, we still got this week. We still got a countdown. So now we're up to 18, 17 and 16 tomorrow. So really getting up to some of the greats of the greats. There'll be some big reveals tomorrow night. I can't wait to do it. And joining me on that show will be victoria franzo again so we get to podcast together what? one more night tomorrow night uh also will moment as well so it will be really fun to talk through all of that with you victoria and uh, reveal three more names on the list and if you didn't get enough john and victoria we got one more podcast <laughs> for you this week if you are a patron of the snn Find us at patreon.com slash the SNL network. Uh, Victoria will be joining me on the SNL sketch breakdown this week. You still have a chance to vote, by the way, if your patron and haven't voted yet for which sketch you want us to talk about. Uh, vote. Voting closes tonight so Victoria and I can prepare for the show tomorrow to record that, to put that out for all of you. So uh, that is that. And then, of course, we'll be back for the hot take show right after Jason Lamoa and Canadian Tate McRae on the show on Saturday night to uh, to perform and put on another great episode before we uh, do it all over again next week and then break for for Thanksgiving.
0: Awesome. And, and if you're a listener and you're interested in becoming a patron, John, how would you go about that?
1: <laughs> like I said, patreon.com slash right. SNL network. Uh mm-hmm. you can you join. Really fun. We got a great Discord if you wanted to join and have some fun there. We also got some great exclusive patron perks. So uh and you can you can talk to me whenever you want to talk about SNL. Ooh.
0: We love you, patrons. 100
1: percent
2: We love you so much.
0: All right. Well that'll that'll do it for real this time. Um I am Mike Murray. You can find me at SNL Mike Murray on Instagram and Twitter. I'm there all the time. I've been I've been I've been doing more live tweeting of the show, um, which has been fun. Uh, watching it live is you know is the way to go. So we will be back <laughs> next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Victoria, you will be back with me, right? So you get yeah. a lot of Victoria this this I in know eight days.
2: <laughs> I mean, apologies in advance for all the laughs you'll have with me. So. It'll be fun. I'm excited. The you guys be- think
1: Mike is the lifeblood of the show, but Victoria brings it. So I'm excited that she's on every single week with you, Mike.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's the day before American Thanksgiving. I have to clarify for the Canadians in the room. Uh, but so that just adds one more thing. I'm I'm grateful for is, is the show and and the two of you. Platonically, like respectfully as like colleagues.
1: Of course. I don't think you were declaring <laughs> your love for us here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: all right so for (laughs) victoria franzo john schneider i am mike murray of the snn thank you so much for listening and we will see you again soon good night